This podcast is made available for free globally. That is only possible through my relationships with advertising partners. If you would like to access an ad-free version of Practical Stoicism, go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Factor. Eating easy is rarely healthy, but with Factor, the marriage of ease and health has finally happened. Ring those bells and throw that rice. Factor is a meal delivery service providing never-frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals that are ready to go in just two minutes and are delivered straight to your doorstep. This includes restaurant-quality meals for every meal of the day and, if you want, even snacks and beverages as well. I used Factor for years and raved to my friends about how not a single meal tasted bad, which was an astounding feat since all the meals were healthy and could be tailor-made to whatever diet initiative I was trying to keep up with, like veganism, vegetarianism, paleo, low-carb, whatever. Now, get ready to hear the number 50 way more than you thought you'd hear it today because listeners of the Practical Stoicism podcast should head over to factormeals.com forward slash practical 50, that's practical 50, and use the code practical 50 at checkout to get 50% off. That's code practical 50 at factormeals.com forward slash practical 50 to get 50% off. Morning, Prakaptan. I am glad you're here and I hope you're well. Today, we're going to be revisiting Book 5 of Meditations and then answering a question from the patron community. Speaking of patrons, big shout out to the newest among you Jahan Amadi, Julian Torres, Scapula, Reaper's Comic Den, Dylan Morgan, Courtney Kopf, Angel Montoya, and Dustin. Really appreciate the eight of you and every other patron supporting this podcast directly. If you'd like to get an ad-free version of the podcast yourself, as well as access to some other patron-only exclusives and support my work, you can go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to learn more. I care a great deal about keeping this podcast available for free, and I know that CTAs and ads can be annoying, but they are what make it possible for this podcast to be my job. And to be honest, I would rather be doing this than any other job I feel would be far less useful and help far fewer people. I feel very lucky to be the stoicism guy for a living, and I appreciate all of you for being part of enabling that, whether that's because you support directly as a patron or because you tolerate ads. Podcasting is a very strange business model, and no job is perfect, but I do love my job. I love this job. So thank you for being part of it every day and making it possible in the first place. Today, as I said, I'm going to start by revisiting book five to dive into a meditation we have not yet read. Let's do that now. It's Meditation 32 from Book 5, and it reads as follows. How hast thou behaved hitherto to the gods, thy parents, brethren, children, teachers, to those who looked after you in thy infancy, to thy friends, kinsfolk, and thy slaves? Consider if you hast hitherto behaved to all in such a way that this may be said of thee. Never have they wronged a man in deed or word, and call to recollection both how many things thou hast passed through and how many things thou hast been able to endure, and that the history of thy life is now complete 
and thy service is ended, and how many beautiful things thou hast seen, and how many pleasures and pains thou hast despised, and how many things, called honorable, thou hast spurned, and to how many ill-minded folks thou hast shown a kind disposition. Marcus has aimed a cannon of guilt at us from nearly 2,000 years ago and struck us right in the face. How are you treating your mother? How about your dad? And how about everyone else you ought to be grateful to, you spoiled little brat? Of course, that's not exactly what he's doing, but the first portion of this meditation sure feels that way. And it gives us a chance to honestly reflect, as all of Marcus's meditations do. How have we behaved up to now to our parents, friends, teachers, and fellow human beings? We know full well how if we take the time to really think about it. Do we treat people justly? In Stoicism, remember, that means do we treat people appropriately, the way a sage would treat them, the way they deserve to be regarded and treated? You are probably thinking, no, I'm not a sage, but I do my best and I fail frequently. And if you are, then I appreciate that you're at least being honest. But there's an angle I want to bring up here that you might not be considering. Are you just to your friends or are you just nice to them? One cannot always be what we modern folks think of as nice if we're focused on being just. What is the just way to treat a friend who is struggling to, for example, quit drinking? What is the just way to treat a friend who is struggling to lose weight and be more healthy? What is the just way to treat a person whose self-destructive behavior is the root of all the problems they complain about? Is it to be nice? Frequently, I have found that it is not. I personally think it is nice to be just, but many people don't tend to feel that way. Many people tend to feel that confrontational behavior, which candor can sometimes be viewed as, is frequently viewed as, and tough love harm more than they help. I think this is a difficult tightrope to walk, like all tightropes are, I suppose. Certainly, we cannot present life as all cream and sugar, because it's not. But we also cannot bludgeon people over the head with a doom and gloom, as if all the world is darkness and evil, because that is equally untrue. When our friend who is struggling with their binge drinking, for example, deeply values our friendship, and we know that, it can be hard to tell them, I'm worried about you and I don't want to be part of enabling the behavior that you're struggling to overcome. So I'm not going to go out with you to the bar anymore. It's hard because we know that saying that to them might be synonymous with us abandoning them, and it might make the issue even worse. Leave them alone and put them in a darker place. But at the same time, being there to hold their hair back when they're vomiting, picking them up off the street when they fall, making excuses for their behavior to save them from embarrassment the next day, these things are nice, but are they just, and do they help? So how do you treat your parents? How do you treat your friends? How do you treat even yourself? Is it in a way that will have people saying of you, they have never wronged a man in word or deed? Enabling a friend's continued suffering through niceties, isn't that harming a man in word or deed? This is all pretty heavy stuff for a Monday morning, I know, but it's stuff we need to be thinking about all the time if we're truly trying to follow the path of the Prakaptan, 
We're not trying to be what other people believe is good. We're trying to be what we've decided as aspiring Stoics is good, if that's what we're trying to do. And I know that the way Marcus has worded this diary entry of his makes it seem like the yardstick of success is what others might think of you, but he knows better. And he's writing to himself. He's not expecting what he's writing to be read publicly in a published book like it is today, 2,000 some odd years later. He knows the point of the exercise isn't to please others, it's to use others as a sort of intellectual plot device to aid in his own reflection. He doesn't actually care what all people would say of him, he cares what the sage would say of him. He's measuring himself against the Stoic ideal, not popular opinion. But there's more, of course. And how many things thou hast been able to endure, and that the history of thy life is now complete and thy service is ended, and how many beautiful things thou hast seen, and how many pleasures and pains thou hast despised, and how many things called honorable thou hast spurned, and how many ill-minded folks thou hast shown a kind disposition. These are a list of mirrored opposites. How much have you been able to endure, and how much can you accept that the time for enduring is over and your death is now here? How many beautiful things have you seen and appreciated, but at the same time, how effectively have you spurned those beautiful things and not allowed them to overcome your rational faculties, or come yourself to rely on them and require them to live a just and good life? And how many titles, honors, and awards have you reduced to being indifferent things? not chasing after them for their own sake, but also how many dishonorable people have you still managed to show justice and a kind disposition to? You've got to endure fate, but you cannot resist it. You've got to appreciate beauty, but you cannot require it. You've got to shun a lust for accolades, but when you come across terrible people with no accolades or honor, you've still got to treat them justly. Living a good life, Marcus is reflecting, requires an immense amount of not just reflection, but careful and thoughtful balance between doing too much and doing too little. You've got to find, to use a Buddhist term, the middle way, because the path of the Prakaptan is necessarily narrow, and it is beset on all sides by things that are not the path itself. Seed DSO-1 is a daily symbiotic, which is a probiotic and prebiotic formulated to provide benefits for gut immune function and whole body health. I take it every morning before I eat, which is when it works the best, and I have noticed a big difference in my digestion, regularity, and even my skin. It's nice that this benefit comes in a small package that needs no refrigeration and really is just a couple of simple, small pills. You also get this cool little travel vial in case you're traveling, so you don't have to stuff a bunch of loose pills in your pocket, which is nice. It's also nice that this product is so rigorously tested from a scientific perspective, which makes seeds probiotic research, development, and innovation programs a lot more trustworthy. So trust your gut health to Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com forward slash practical and use code 25practical to get 25% off of your first month. That's 25% off of your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com forward slash practical with the code 25 practical. Listener and patron GB reached out to me with a comical question. 
but also a very good one as it turns out. Hi Tanner, can our pyramids of concern change? You're now in mine, and reflecting back, the pyramid does change. Sometimes certain layers seem bigger or smaller depending on my current state of oikiosis. Is this just me being daft, or does it fit with stoicism? Could it, with a fourth axis of time, become a Toblerone of concern? I am never not blown away by how smart all of you listeners are, much smarter than me. I felt very clever when I conceptualized the circles of concern as a pyramid of concern, but this Toblerone of concern perhaps makes the holy trinity of Stoicism. Before I answer, I want to clarify that the pyramid of concern is only a thing because I thought of it. Kai Whiting then helped me to noodle on the naming of it, and it is written about in our book, What is Stoicism, which won't be out until this November, but the pyramid of concern isn't Stoic canon. I just want that to be clear. The circles of concern are Stoic canon, and they show, more than they show anything else, that we have a role to play universally in every consecutive circle, no matter who we are. That none of us, for example, are missing the humanity circle or the family circle, because family isn't literally limited to blood ties. I do, of course, understand that orphans with no extended blood family do exist but that we all have a responsibility to all the circles, and we cannot escape from that fact. When I conceptualized the circles as a pyramid, I was hoping to show a bottom-up view to complement the already existing inside-out view, that those outer circles become something like supportive layers when an alternative dimension is considered and that this might help us to more easily see not just that we have a duty to care about the whole of humanity or the environment, for example, but that not caring about the whole of humanity or the environment, for example, negatively impacts the stability of the whole structure. This Toblerone of concern is very interesting because, and Toblerone is just such a brilliant way to make it easy for everyone to envision what we're trying to make them envision, it forces us to think in yet another dimension where, as time goes along, the top of the pyramid may become very large and oversized while the bottom is very tiny and the middle is even bigger than the top. So it's like a wonky factory defect from the Toblerone factory. It can never be the case that the top of a pyramid supports the bottom of a pyramid, unless we're flipping pyramids on their heads all willy-nilly. But I still think that this Toblerone of concern is very useful and practical at the individual level, because there are absolutely times in life where the amount of attention you're giving to the middle of the pyramid, for example, can and will be bigger, or I should say greater, than the amount of attention you're giving to the base or the top, the base being the environment and the top of it being the self, because that's where you're living at different stages in your life. If your career is, for example, in health, your community layer will be larger than your whole of humanity layer because you're spending your entire career as a caregiver to the community. But then when you retire, perhaps you travel the world and try to enrich yourself culturally and intellectually. So then the top layer is bigger than the bottom layer because that's where your focus is then. The problem with the pyramid of concern and the circles of concern are that both suggest there's an evenly distributed 
amount of attention or an appropriate or minimal amount of attention that has to go to each layer or circle or you're doing oikiosis wrong. GB's wonky Toblerone of Concern does something to address that, and while it's not stoic canon, neither is my pyramid, but that doesn't mean it's not useful as a tool for reflecting and living a better life. Good job, GB. Great creative thinking, and thank you for the question. That is all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you're not already a patron, consider becoming one by going to stoicismpod.com forward slash members. Don't forget about our forthcoming app. It releases in just a week or two. Go to stoicismpod.com forward slash app to join the exclusive waitlist for the app. And until next time, thanks again for listening and take care. Take care.